When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to welcome to another conversation. Today we have Dale Wade. She has a BA in international relations, which focuses on Latin and Caribbean studies, and a and a mom master's in counseling. Dale is a cultural transition specialist and the author of the Transition Sunshine blog. Before moving to Jamaica. Dale remembered spending numerous hours trying to locate material that would prepare her for moving to Jamaica. However, any material that was located is largely oriented towards vacations and cruise tours. Information surrounding visits outside the tourist meccas of Ocherias and Montego Bay were few and far in between. There was nothing to inform Dale of what life would be like in Kingston. Realizing that this information was desperately needed, she discovered a niche market. After volunteering as an online transition mentor for expat women and interviewing almost 100 people on the topic of working and living in Jamaica, Transition Sunshine was created. She is originally from Trinidad, was raised in New York, and has now been living in Jamaica for the last three and a half years. Wade recently co-authored The Trinidadian Executive in Jamaica. My co-host is Chris Daly, who is a blogger on Jamaicans.com and the owner of Yard Genius website. Take it away, Chris. Thank you, Denise. It's great to be on board. And welcome, Dale, to our conversation. Hello. Good evening, everybody. Let's begin and tell us a little about your Jamaican connection. You're told that you're from Trinidad, but you do have some Jamaican connection. Share that with us yeah. if you could. Well, I would say my Jamaican connection goes back to, gosh, probably when I was 12 or 13 years old growing up in Park Slope, Brooklyn. I remember going to school and being on the handball court and, and realizing whenever I got into trouble, boy, my Jamaican friends would always kind of come find me. My Trinidadian friends would run away and my Haitian friends would run away. But my Jamaican friends were always there for me. Um, and then my mother spent a lot of time taking us up to this bakery on Church Avenue or something to buy Jamaican beef patties every Saturday. So Jamaica was in my, my psyche from a very young age. Um, fast forward to 30 years later, and here I am living in Jamaica. I happened to marry a Jamaican, Francis Wade. I always tell my friends he was the first Caribbean man I ever dated. It's very interesting. Anyway, while we were dating, I knew he wanted to move back to Jamaica. He'd been out there for 20, 22 years and always wanted to come home. So after getting married, we moved 
down to Jamaica. It was back home for him after 22 years and first time for me living in the Caribbean since I was 10 years old. So that's my connection to Jamaica. That's wonderful. It certainly seemed to have a very special place for you. Well, we have also in our audience high school and college kids who may be very curious about your career path. You certainly are an entrepreneur. Explain this career choice and give us a summary of your journey, say, from high school to developing this business of yours. Well, I would say I stumbled onto this business. I wouldn't say I went to high school knowing that I would move to the Caribbean and open a business. I think before I got married, that would I never thought about moving back to the Caribbean because all my family migrated and my mom's sisters lived in England and all my family lived in the States. So um, if anything, I, I thought about moving to Florida, which I did, and moving up and down the East Coast, but never thinking about moving back to Jamaica. Um, but Jamaica is special to me now. It's special because I like the outdoors and I like the mountains and I like the beach. And when I lived in Washington, I had to drive eight hours to New Hampshire or something to just hike or, you know, drive to South Carolina, Hilton Head for the beach. Or Now it's just right outside my door. I can just get on my bike and ride up the hills. I can go hiking in Blue Mountain. I can go to St. Elizabeth. The country is absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, people moving, I think a lot of people have children who may have been born outside and they come back for a week or two and they may just see this place as paradise. And it really is. It's not an easy place, but it clearly could be paradise because you have everything, you know, right at your fingernail. Um, you t I think, does that answer your question? It certainly does. Uh, one another piece I'd like to explore with you is, is you're also an author. You've written several books. Why is it important to be a person of the pen in this age of image? Why is it mm. important to write? Well, for me, I, I never call myself a writer. I just I, I love to tell stories. I am a great storyteller, and I, I, I like to make my friends laugh. So my friends always say to me when they see an email coming in from Dale in Kingston, that's how I always put my subject line. Everybody grabs a cup of coffee and they know it's going to be a good read um, because I'm humorous and I'm funny. Um, for blogging, it took me a while to start blogging because I was just afraid to put myself out there and I was afraid for people, not that I'm insecure, but I felt that people would write me notes and say, what am I doing and why am I doing this? But it's build credibility for my business. So if you're thinking about going into business or you're thinking about ex establishing yourself, I mean, you can tell people who you are, but when you can go back and show them you've done 200 blogs or 300 blogs or you've written a book or you've done something on it, you may be a step ahead of somebody who's just starting a business who has nothing on themselves. So if somebody Googles Jamaica now, I have people coming in from India and Malaysia and Australia. Um, I have women connecting me from all over the world that they're moving here. So it's been good. So if you like writing, great, go ahead and write. Um, or you can always find somebody to help you edit, which is what I've been doing because, like I said, I'm a storyteller, but I'm hesitant to put myself out there. So, But to be credible and to have people kind of pay attention to what you're doing. You have to have stories in the paper, and you have to be able to be found. Um, so in that regard, I think it's important. 
plus you just you're able to reach far more people you know just by having a blog i have people hit my blog from all over the world like i said daily so that's been interesting does that kind of support what you're getting at yeah now now on to the the heart of our call as we know we're in the middle of a, a worldwide recession and we have lots of folks in diaspora reconsidering their future have you seen an uh, increased number of folks um, considering moving back to Jamaica since this um, economic tsunami has been occurring? Mm-hmm. Have I seen the numbers yeah, going up? Yeah, you've seen an that- increased amount of people who are considering or looking or contacting you just because of they may be in England or the North recession. America and, and they don't have, they've lost, um, lost out in life here, and so they're looking to maybe restart in Jamaica. Okay. Um, well, from my blogs, I would say I've not gotten a lot from the U.S. Um, or Canada, maybe some, but not a great number of them. I, how, I have, however, seen um, the spike in people in the diaspora in London or England I've been seeing more and more people who maybe migrated in the 40s and 50s, their children who are now 40 and 50, who have children of their own who may be teenagers. Um, So maybe these people were born in 1960, 1970, and their children are now teenagers. And I've had them contacting me. I want to move out of England. My kids are teenagers. They're getting into trouble. You know, I don't want to end up in the penal system in London, you know, racism, whatever. So I've been seeing more of the British... um, the British contacting me more so than the Americans, even though the Americans are being hit by recession, but I think the, the Jamaicans in, in London are being hit even harder, and, and their walk is very different. So in that regard, yes, I have. And then I've, I've gotten some from the Canadians as well about jobs and looking for jobs, but I don't know if that's the recession or that's just normal because they usually kind of, people are always thinking about coming back. Whether or not they come or not, it's, you know, it's different. But definitely the, the the British-based ones I'm seeing, you know, coming and doing a pre-arrival kind of visit and, you know, really interested in what can they do here and how can they do, go about moving back. I was wondering if some of it, when folks usually go abroad, they're going abroad for more economic um, security and there's a pride factor if they find themselves in a different place than they were intended to be. How do you deal with someone who want to come back and, you know, pride would make them a little anxious about engaging you um, in considering this move? Yeah, I guess I, I, I see what you're saying. You're, you're, you're saying that these are people who want to move back, but they haven't made it large in their eyes to come back, right? They're they're not going to be able to come back with a lot of money and buy a big house and have all this furniture and a brand new exactly. car. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's an it's it's really unfortunate because there 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 does seem to be this perception which I've only gathered in the three and a half years I've lived here that people coming back can't come back without anything. You know, what's the purpose of them going? And it's really a fake sense of of anything because you know, times are hard, and land here is very expensive, and housing is very expensive. I mean, to live in Jamaica, it's, I see what people make, and, and the salaries are a lot lower than, 
you know, being in the U.S. or Canada or any place else for that matter. So I think it's a fake sense of um, of perception that they have to come back, but that's how they feel. But if they can block it out, I mean, I know when we were thinking of moving here, I learned to stop telling Jamaicans or stop telling West Indian people that we were moving to the Caribbean because all you got was negative. Why are you moving back there? You know, the Jamaicans, it's pure crime, it's bad, Everybody, my cousin got shot, everybody's getting shot. I mean, the Trinities, why are you moving there? That's It's, it's backward, they're way behind this pure bush. And so I would say to people, have you, especially from the other islands. Have you been to Jamaica? Have you visited? The answer would be no. So then I'm like, how are you going to tell me you've not even been there? Or the Jamaicans that. So I learned not to share what I was doing with them. And I tell my clients that, and I tell people that who contact me all the time, stop Mm -hmm. listening to the negativity. If you want to move back, if you have two couches, you move your two couches and you come home and you make it work. You cannot listen to people and you cannot listen to people who try to compete with one another because I see a lot of competition as well. So if you're one of these people that you want to listen to other people, then you'll never come back. But if you really want to come back, you can come and start all over again because when you move to the States, you have nothing. When you move to England, you have nothing. So, And it's sad because I've seen people come back and they don't make it doesn't work out for them and they, with shame, move away again. Mm. So, you know, it, it does exist, but it's about you as a person and, and, and your perception on what you want for your life and your family. That's That's how I feel, you know, it's. Are they some, apart from being an entrepreneur, what are some of the uh, economic, how do people actually make it there from an economic standpoint? Well, that's a tough one because their unemployment here is high. I'd be lying if I said there are jobs galore. The unemployment rate is extremely high, and when there's one or two positions, I mean, there's you know, tons of resumes to fill one spot. But if you can come in and you could see a niche and you can create something for yourself, and I tell people they just, you can't come move back here after only coming every two weeks for five years. That is not going to give you a, a good a good foundation. You need to come spend two months, spend three months, spend six months if you can, build your network, learn what it is you want to do, and then do something for yourself or team up with other people. Or once you build your networks, you may be able to find a decent job, but you cannot land here without a network. It's easier to do a network now because of Facebook and, you know, Twitter and blogging and all that. I didn't have a network when before I moved here. I, I just thought, oh, I'd come and volunteer and I'll find a job. Um, and I did do that, but I kept finding jobs that I didn't necessarily want or they weren't paying me enough, so I decided to do my own thing. I, I, that was just a choice for me. Um, it's something I'd wanted to do. So I think there are, A, there are jobs available. There's not a lot of them, but you need to have a network. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, but I'll be honest, it's who you know. Um, okay. and that's well, just usually anywhere. That's, that's usually right. it. Right, so you're not going to be able to walk in and get the best job, and nobody knows who you are. So if you're thinking about coming back, you start doing your networking. I've had people tell me, yes, I'm coming back, and I'm like, okay, when you show up, um, you know, let's get together, and we put you on a plan. We have a three-month or a six-month plan. This is what you need to do the first three months. This is what you need to do. So by the time they move back, there's a job, there's a little social network. They have, if they have children, they know about the schools, you know, because you cannot listen to everything at your family, and your friends are going to tell you it's just way too negative. So, I, you know, other than doing something for yourself, I think there is opportunity. You just have to kind of be smart and do your research wisely. 
you've, you've really compiled a really good vault of resources to allow people to do that. And one of those resources in the ebook that talks about the ten and a half mistakes folks have when they're considering this move. I'd like to um, to share with you the comments I've seen from these and get a quick response from each of these ten and a half um, points you have. The first one is believe it's going to be easy. Why is that a mistake? Because people think, oh, I, you know, I know Jamaica. It's just like me. I thought I knew the Caribbean. Oh, my gosh, I was born in Trinidad. I, I know the Caribbean. I've spent time with my grandmother. It shouldn't be too hard. I'll just get there, get a job, and I'll be fine. And I did not expect culture shock. So Jamaicans who may have left Jamaica when they were 10 or 20 and they've been away for 20, 30 years, they're going to be coming back to a very different Jamaica. And they need to realize, because that's people say to me, you can't help me. All I need is a friend. They'll tell me what to do. And then I say, fine, you can do that. But I think realizing that it's not going to be easy, realizing that the place does have a high crime rate and it does have a high unemployment rate. So knowing those things, it's not impossible, but being aware of them. Okay. I'll figure that when I get there. Mistake number two. Yeah. You know, I'll land and I'll go to the library and I'll research everything and I'll get the yellow pages and I'll just call a man to fix it and I'll just do whatever. That doesn't work. You would need references. You would need to know if you want to have a guy build furniture for you. You need to ask people who he is. Has he done work for you before? Um, you need a locksmith. You just don't open the yellow pages and call a locksmith. Jamaica is a very oral kind of tradition, even though there is a yellow pages, but it's based highly on word of mouth, where to find this, where to find that. So thinking you'll figure it out when you get here, that didn't work for me. I I, I wish I had known what I'm, some of those things, so that's why I think it's important to pre-arrival will help you figure it out before you get here. So number, no, mistake number three, not making a pre-arrival trip. Right, and I've spoken to that before. It's very important that you make several small trips outside of vacation, looking at real estate, looking at housing, looking if you're going to rent, where you're going to live, um, how expensive it is, where you're going to send your children to school, you know, just things that you will not get while you're on vacation, sitting at Hellshire eating fish and lobster, which is wonderful, but you're getting ready to do a big move. You cannot hang out at Hellshire and eat lobster every day. You need to, you know, get down to the nuts and bolts. And having, as you mentioned before, number four is not having employable skills. Skills, right. You have been, you know, nothing's wrong with... um, being a, a bookkeeper in the States forever um, for the same firm, um, and you're getting ready to move back. Well, the, the firm you've worked for may have only used one system the entire time where you were there. Um, you don't use a computer. You don't use email. You don't um, know about Facebook. You have to make sure your skills are up to par because if you're coming back and you want to help people, to, they're, they're going to assume you have all these skills, so you need to really have them so you could be more marketable. All right not leveraging technology like Facebook, email, any others you'd like to mention? Um, yeah, Facebook, email, Twitter, um, Skype, Vonage, knowing some of the names that, you know, would help you, um, knowing about, you know, mail pack that brings in mail from Florida, just learning, knowing what it is you need to make yourself comfortable, just kind of making sure you have the right skills. And it, you can get them outside. I mean, you can get them here too, but if you're moving back, just get them from the outside before mm. you move back. 
Number six is a surprising one. It's, it's, it's if you're moving back because of a relationship. To leave right. and heal does and take care of you. Yeah, that's that's a big one. Um, I get emails and, and contacts from women who come here on vacation, usually Americans, well, some Europeans, but it seems to be the younger American women that come here, and for some reason they fall in love with Jamaican men, and then they think, oh, she she could help me, she can help me, and they contact me, and, and they're ready to quit their jobs and come down, and, you know, the guy's going to take care of everything. Well, he takes care of everything when they're on vacation for two weeks, and, you know, he's a man, but when it's time to move here, you know, he's telling her he's building a house in the back of his mother's house, which to an American woman or a British woman, that sounds like he's building a house. You and I both know what that means in Jamaica. Right. So don't assume because he tells you he has a little job working for himself and he's building a house that your life is set. It could be he does have a job and he does work for himself, but he's selling bag juice. And nothing's wrong with that, but you have to be realistic. I tell them that all the time. By the time I'm done with them, boy, they don't even move. They they send me an email. Thank you, Dale. I'm not coming anymore. That's not what I plan to do, but I just need to make them open their eyes, you know? And the company could let you down. Sometimes you may make arrangements to go for a company, but the the company didn't make the – you thought they may have everything all set up. That's mistake number seven, right? Yeah, well, how that works, too, is there's two types of companies that bring people in. There's either the multinationals or the local companies. And multinationals are usually, I'm not giving them a lot of credit, but they have more money and they move people around. So they tend to have, you know, people that work there that actually take care of the expats and take care of the housing and making sure there's a driver to help them get to school. And, you know, I had one expat woman say to me she was going to work for a company down in Spanish Town. And she said, well, I want to live near work so I can walk to work. Work. She did not have a clue because mm. I lived in D.C. and you know I lived ten minutes from work. I walked to work in a big city in New York and Washington and London. You can do that, but you can't really do that when you live in Jamaica. And she didn't know. So all that to say is the company didn't tell her that no, there's no housing close by. So you, you know you assume the company will have everything ready for you and they will find you the best suitable place for you to live and and they have your best interest at heart. Some companies do, some companies do not, and the ones that do not, you know, whether they're Jamaican or they're expat, they will leave. They will pick up and pack their bags and go home because things are too difficult. They, they just can't manage, you know. Right. The other one is a surprising language. Jamaican patois is a foreign language and not realizing that. Well, I don't call it a foreign language, but I do call it... Um, it's a dialect. It's a different, and I, I also say to people, Jamaicans are multilingual because there's different forms of patois. And what hit, you know, Jamaicans will say, and I've had people say that to me, I don't understand why them foreigners come and them, nah, and them have all these problems. We speak English. And, and I say, and I say, yes, but you know what? When I first got here, my first month, and I have very short hair. I go to the barber once a month or once every three weeks and have him buzz it. It's just easier. And I was sitting in the barbershop chair, and the barbers were, were having conversation. And I could not follow what they were saying. I felt like I was in Haiti. I was like, what? So I said to my barber, what, what, what are you talking about? What was, what? So he spoke. He stopped, and he spoke very slowly to me in English, and I understood. And two minutes later, I could not understand him again. And that's when it hit me. 
this patois is different, you know. So P- and my sister said to me, Dale, what are you talking about? They speak English. I'm like, Heather, you come down and listen to this English. It took me, now I understand it, you know. It's, I remember work doing a, a volunteer gig at Jamaica Aid Support, and I ordered soup. Something as easy as ordering soup almost made me cry. The guy showed up with the soup, and he's yelling something, and I'm like, what? And I'm very kind of like, what? And I'm at the front desk because I'm hungry. Man, I'll bring the soup because man, I have food for the soup. And I'm like, what is he saying? Man, I'll bring the soup because man, I have the food for the soup. And I'm thinking, could somebody explain what he's telling me? I just want some soup. Well, he's trying to tell me he didn't bring the soup because he had no food for it, which means in Jamaica, food is the ingredient that's put into the soup. Well, I didn't want that because I didn't like yam at the time. I couldn't stand it. Now I love yam, but back then I didn't. So, you know, something as simple as getting lunch for me was a problem. So I now tell people that if they're aware of it, and I have in my blog sometimes little um, little videos that that have English and have patois, if they're used, if they know it, they will be aware of it. They'll know that that's what's happening when it's happening. It won't hit you the way it hit me in the barbershop chair. All right. And number 10, believe in too few sources of information too quickly. Yeah, you you know how in, sometimes it, when you live outside and, and you dial the yellow pages and the man tells you he's going to be there at 9 o'clock to fix your bathroom and you just believe him. Well, here in Jamaica, mine, a man tells you he's going to be outside your door at 9 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, you're calling him. At 10 o'clock, you're calling him. At 11 o'clock, you're calling him. And then he says, yeah, ma- Miss Mal, forget you, you know. And you say, well, didn't you write it down? And no, I don't need to write it down. I'll remember. And, well, you didn't remember this time. So you try to call as many people as possible to kind of get things, you know, get the, as much information as you can or, you know, if you're going to use a driver for your, sending your child to school, you need to have people kind of confirm that this person will show up and they'll do what they're going to do. That seems to work well for me. Um, just recognizing things do happen, so always have as much information as possible to make sure they're legit. A lot of times people are not legit. They're not who they say they are, and you don't know that um, because you're assuming, you know, wherever you're coming from, there's a governing board that guides who they are and their work. So just, you know, a realtor selling you land or something, just make sure the deeds are correct and don't go into things blindly. I hear stories all the time. So that that's where that comes from. All right, that's that's a really key insight. But even though the last one is thinking it's impossible. That's a half point. Why is not impossible? Given all the challenges that you've mentioned. Living in Jamaica is not impossible. It's just a matter of you deciding that this is where you want to live and you take the best out of the culture. You know, every culture has its problem, can, problems. Canada has problems. England has problems. South Africa has problems. But if you decide the quality of life here could be good for you, um, there are challenges. You're not able to probably bolt out the way you bolt out, say, in London or, you know, New York or Soweto. Well, not even Soweto because you can't really bolt out there, too. They have barbed <laughs> wires everywhere. But just realizing it's not impossible. I mean, there people say to me, do you like Jamaica? you like living here? And I say, mm, I have a love-hate relationship with the place. There are days I love it. I sit on my patio and I have breakfast. We go running. We go biking. And there are days I get up and I hear all these stories about what's happened and who cut grill and who did what. 
But, you know, we chose to live here and we make the best of it, so it's not impossible. There are people who come um, as expats to work for companies, and when it's time to go home, they are crying. They don't want to go home because they know they're going back to the cold or they're going back to tiny apartments and they're going back to not having a helper who cleans your house every once a week or something for, you know, not very much money. So it is doable. You just have to decide that's what you want to do. You don't listen to other people. You do your pre-arrival trip. You do your resources, and you find people to help you if you don't know what what to do. You know, you just you just bite the bullet and say, "I need some help." And and whoever that you can get to help you do that. Um, I hear too many stories of returning residents that just don't do their homework. They don't do their due diligence, and they show up here, and it's impossible. So it's possible. Just do your research wisely. Bill, this is wonderful, and you've put together a, a really good way that people can take advantage of and not having to pay the costly, painful way of doing it. How would people take advantage of your fine program? Well, I mean, they can start by going to my web to my website, that the blog, that's transitionsunshine.info, um, or, and I'll say this site slowly for you, it's transitionsunshine.info. Dot info and they can download the ebook. Um, it's called the Ten and a Half Mistakes That People Make When Moving to Jamaica. Um, they can start reading my blog. I usually keep about five to seven blogs um, available, and then if they want, they can join on my membership site, um, and that can uh, will give you access to over two hundred to two hundred and twenty other blogs, which are just. Thing, anything I think is important for either an expat or returning resident. My market has really been the expats, but I've been getting more and more returning residents. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Imagine a country where jobs are plentiful and families can get ahead. A country where veterans are treated with dignity and respect. A country so powerful, terrorism is in retreat. Our families safe. A country run by a leader whose career was built on success. A leader who isn't beholden to special interests, but to the people themselves. Make America great again. Donald Trump for president. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message.